Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right. Wow. Ultimate. I saw Pastor Vicente walking out of the video booth. He was like shaking his head after or the recording room. And now I know why he was shaking his head. I'm not sure if Pastor Josh wrote those jokes or made them up on the spot, but phenomenal. That's, uh, that's great. Well, welcome to Celebration. It's great to see you. Welcome to those watching, worshiping online. Uh, my name is Derek and uh, uh, I've got A lot to cover today. We're continuing our series on the church, growing and going from Acts chapter 11. Um, If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, the verses will be on the screen. I'm going to read some of them. I I try to prepare about four to five pages um, per Sunday, and that usually takes me about 45 minutes to uh, preach through. And today I have seven pages. So I'm going to try to move quickly through it. Uh, yesterday, sister Evelyn told me we'll just get to the end. And I said, I'll try. So anyway, we're going to do that. If you need to, if I need to skip some parts of the notes, I'll email them to you. Just send me an email. I'll be happy to send them back to you. Watch first service, second service, watch them both. I don't know. And, uh, it'll help you. Hey, if you're able, would you stand to your feet one more time this morning? Acts chapter 11, For those in the booth, I think I'm just going to read 19 to 21 at the start, and I'll read the other verses at each point. We're talking about the church God blesses. How many people want to be blessed by God? How many people want this church and every church to be blessed by God? Amen. All right, so that's what we're talking about today. This is all about the church in Antioch. The Bible reads like this, verse 19. Now those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Kind of crazy, right? Because last week we talked about earlier in chapter 11, Peter, Cornelius, it was like, this isn't just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. But then persecution happens, people get scared, and all of a sudden, they clam up. All right, verse 20. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And I love this. We see the blessing of the Lord here. It says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. We're talking about the church God blesses. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for uh, the great gift of your son, Jesus. We ask now, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear. Help me to communicate clearly and concisely. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I shared some of today's message, page seven, with our staff on Sunday, I mean on Tuesday at Staff Chapel, and that page took me 45 minutes. So Pray for your pastor, pray for great hearing. But they said it helped bring clarity to our structure or to our ministry model here at Celebration. And so I wanna share that with you. Um, But it's kind of been in the making for one week. So if later I need to adjust something or change something, I said, give me the grace to do that. It's not like a finished work in progress. We're not printing a booklet yet on this model, um, but I believe it might be able to help. But I think it's a rhema word for us right now, uh, for us here at Celebration, but I believe it can help churches as well beyond us as well. But we're in, as I mentioned last Sunday, a season of acceleration. Um, 
since Christmas, there's over 100 more people in the services on Sunday morning. Uh, Wednesday night youth has doubled in attendance, 131 salvation responses in the services. And after last week, we now baptized in water 49 people this year alone. Praise the Lord. So every week it's just happening so often that there are more and more people coming and we've not met and met people in between services before service. And they're just like, Hey, uh, pastor Derek, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, you know, have we met? They're like, no, I've been, this is my first day or the second time, or I've been a month. I, I don't really know. I text my wife almost every week. I, I don't know a lot of the people again, <laughs> you know? And so I think this can help us understand, um, the structure or, or the ministry model that I believe God blesses right here in his word. And therefore we want to be part of that as well. He's blessing his church and uh, we want to be part of that. So it just so happens, according to the spirit, that we find ourselves in the normal progression going through the book of Acts here in a passage of scripture that on Monday, one of the pastors, I don't even remember who it was, said that's the fivefold ministry active in the church. And so if you're newer to church, you might not have ever heard those words before, fivefold ministry. Some of you are thinking fold a tower, two, two towel two times or three times, but fivefold ministry, that's something different. And I'm going to explain that to you, to us here today and talk about how I think we can operate in that today. We read about Saul in this passage or later on in the passage. I read the whole thing in the first service. I'm trying to shorten it on the intro. Uh, later, he would become the apostle Paul. And he wrote it this way to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter four. He talked about the fivefold ministry. He said, Christ gave apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. By the way, I'm going to come back to that at the end for the close. Unity in the faith. Uh, could it be that we're not experiencing as much unity in the faith because we're not seeing fivefold ministry active? I believe that to be true. That we'll have unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Maybe that's why the body of Christ is not very mature as well. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, even um, for some of you today, you may be confused. What do I mean by fivefold ministry? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's there in scripture. I believe we see it here in this passage in the book of Acts, which doesn't have those titles all tied to it because it was later to the church in Ephesus that Paul would write that. So we see these in effect before the explanation was given. Um, but a lot of times, some point throughout history, I think there has become in our minds, including in, um, pastor's minds, there's been a separation at the platform that fivefold ministries up here, people with a microphone, and then everybody else is equipped to do the works of service. And, and I'm not to say that there's not offices of the fivefold. Like I don't exactly know what they all look like today. That's an admission, but, but I would like to not discuss as much the professional office of fivefold ministry, but I'd like to talk about participating in the body of Christ when it comes to fivefold ministry. What I mean, Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 3, 2, he talked about the priesthood of all the believers. This is not just a few select people. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So if you've been called out of one, uh, darkness and into his wonderful light, you and I are part of the priesthood 
of all the believers. So it's not about professional fivefold ministry, and it's about the priesthood of everybody doing what God has called and gifted them to do. So it's not a debate about what the offices of fivefold ministry look like. Because to be honest, I really don't know. <laughs> but it's a discussion about operating in the fivefold ministry. Why? Because we need everybody participating in the expansion of the kingdom of God. And I hope to give some clarity at the end of how we're going to go about that here at Celebration. Well, so what do I mean by fivefold offices? We apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Most common office that we hear about today or title is pastor. It's almost everybody is pastor so-and-so, not like everybody in the world. I'm just saying when it comes to professional ministry, almost everybody's a pastor. Very few are teacher. Now I try. We give you a note sheet. So there are moments where I'm trying to explain things in a sequential order to you. Um, but, but pastor is more like the office or title, not really descriptive of a gift or what everybody does. We, we don't hear the title evangelist very often anymore. Those that are more often, it seems that they're more of a guest speaker for a church service rather than what I would have seen the, the heaviest of influence on going to the highways and byways, compelling people to come in. People like Billy Graham or, or our founder, Lowell Lundstrom, right, would go to a new city and they'd put up signs in the coffee shop, or I guess both of them probably did most ministry before coffee shops, but put up signs in the library, something the first service said in the Piggly Wiggly, wherever they would advertise, they'd go to a new city and invite everybody to a tent crusade and they would preach one sermon. It didn't matter how many nights the crusade was and how many cities they went to. It was one sermon. It was give your life to Jesus Christ. And so of course there'd be different illustrations and different points, but, but there was really the one message that God had burned deep on their heart and they would preach and hundreds and thousands of people would give their life to Jesus Christ. And then the evangelists would move to a different town and go and do it again. And those believers would hopefully get plugged into a local body, a local church family to be discipled as time went on. I don't see those type of evangelists nearly as active in today's world. And that's not to say it's right or wrong. I'm just one who assesses what is. And that's why I believe we can't rely upon the office of evangelists. Maybe we should have never relied upon that, but I don't believe we can afford to wait for one voice. I don't think our society is wired anymore to say that one voice, that one evangelist is the one that will fill a stadium. I believe with billions of people waiting to hear in our nation, we need more people engaged on a local level than just waiting for the evangelist to hopefully hold a crusade and get my neighbor saved. All right. When it comes to the office of apostles and prophets, I really don't know. I mean, if apostle is one who gives leadership in that regard uh, within the assemblies of God, our, our tribe, our family of churches, I guess I kind of hold that a little bit as executive presbyter with 100 churches and our district officials. But, you know, I'm not going to like change my uh, Facebook name today to Apostle Derek Ross, even if I operate apostolically in some things. I'll still be pastor next week. You know, you can call me whatever you want, just not late for dinner. All right. Praise the Lord or lunch, but whatever it is. But when we think about pastor, we often think, even think about some of our staff, we hold the same title, but we operate with different gifts. One of our commitments at celebration is we want to celebrate our differences instead of criticize them. 
So even as we were working on this message, we had different uh, pastors that uh, when we gather on Monday morning for our, our preaching meeting and just kind of talk and pray over the text and say, what is God saying to us as a corporate body? I was looking at this and there were six pastors in the meeting because some were out on uh, paternity leave and some were like working another job and uh, part-time and, you know, and so it was just a different situation. There were six of us and then uh, Pastor Lewis actually stepped out because there was a problem with the building and Pastor Josiah was out, so he was covering and there was only five five of us in the room. And I thought, isn't it interesting? Five-fold ministry. There was five in the room. And I looked around and it was like each one of us operated heavily in a completely different arena. There was nobody more pastoral in the room than Pastor Dan. Oh, just cares for people and be there shepherding. He's got that heart, that gifting. Prophetically, Pastor Vicente. Evangelistically, Pastor Josh. And uh, teaching was Pastor David. That left apostolic for me, which is good because that, that was how it worked. And then when Pastor Lewis walked back in, I was like, oh, bummer, We're, we, we've got five. And as you'll see at the closing texts or the closing statement, the final verses, generosity was the key that tied it all together. And it said, each one as they were able did what they could to help someone else. And I can't think of a better description of what Pastor Lewis brings. He was filling in for a different staff member there. So, right? So, so I just looked and I thought, everybody has the same title, pastor, and yet we operate differently. And I think that's a key for the body of Christ today that we can all be called Christians, we could all be followers of Jesus, but we need to celebrate the differences that people have. So I wanna explain that a little bit to us today. Hopefully you have a note sheet, you see the five points, you see the sixth and closing statement. It would be a sixth point, but I can't do six points because that's from the devil, so I did five points in a closing statement. <laughs> That's true. It's how I feel. We wrote it up there. Pastor Lewis is like, well, pastor, that's six points. You're not going to do that. I said, that's right. Delete number six, make it a closing statement. So, <laughs> uh, but there's a QR code on the bottom. And if you haven't gone there, you don't need to at this moment, but it's um, an assessment that we would like everybody to do on your own time, not while I'm preaching. Um, and it takes about 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how quickly you take it, 50 questions. And it will give you examples or percentages that in those fivefold that you are strongly wired for. Now, let me give you an example, because even now, the whole message today is explaining some of this from a platform, I get that, but it's a push away from professional offices and toward participation in the body of Christ, okay? So, so this um, assessment, let me just give you, I'm gonna read a couple sentences. When you put in your information, there's no charge to it, they will, you'll do the questions and it'll email you this much in each category and you can just see how, did I, how am I wired by God? Or how did I feel when I was taking the assessment? You know, you, you might do it different times. You're like, apostle this time, evangelist the next. I don't know. So, but it's not about your office. So like whatever your assessment comes back, don't call me and be like, well, I guess it looks like I'm supposed to be the pastor here. <laughs> that spot's taken. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but, but this ought to help you as I was talking before service with Butch uh, Neiman and, and he said, this is, don't be a saint on Sunday and an ain't on Monday. This is how to help you participate in the body of Christ in the world in which we live. So let me give you a couple sentences. I'll teach from the Bible. Then we've got some pictures to help you understand how we operate here at Celebration. Apostle, so I would say they describe it as the spark of movement. 
You'll get this in your email so you don't have to write it down. Listen to a couple of these things. It says, you dwell in the land of big picture, visionary talk, and work. You aspire to empower other people to become all they're meant to be in leading teams into new levels of cooperation and productivity. So that doesn't sound like, apostle, you tell other churches what to do. It's a gift that, or a way that God has wired you to help every area of your life. The next one, again, this is to help you. Prophet, the voice of alignment, says you're brilliant at encouraging others. You have intuitive capabilities to see the hole in a system or process to make it more efficient and effective. How many people already feel better about apostle and prophet right now? You know, like evangelist, the connector of need. You love to socialize and spend time with people. Your personality is contagious. People are fascinated at how well you light up the room around you. You're needed in this world to maintain connection and the value of a relationship in a world that it has exchanged real in-person connection for technological substitutes. I was talking about this at JBQ yesterday, and Mariah, she was like, well, I never know a spiritual gift. And I said, wait till tomorrow, the whole sermon. The whole Garrett family got a lot of this, so enjoy round two for you. Pastor, shepherd, the cultivator experience. I didn't hear what you said, but I'm going to keep moving because I don't have enough time. (laughs) You love to get close with your work, whether it's with people or not. With people, you long to get down to the depths of what's really going on at an emotional level, which causes a problem for someone like me who has the office of pastor. And my wife will tell you, I do not want to get down to an emotional level. And so, so, you know, if you look to me for that emotional strength in your walk with the Lord, bummer for you. (laughs) Just letting you know up front, like if you're new, you ought to just know we got options to provide emotional conversations for you. I'm not one of them. It says you'd rather spend your time in smaller, intimate conversations. I, on the other hand, try to figure out how to avoid those at all costs. We're not going to put me down because I'm wired differently than you. And I'm not, you know what I'm saying? We're going to do it. Okay, here's the last one. Teacher, the enlightener of truth. You are able to digest, grasp, and process multiple sources of information at once. You can reduce incredibly complex topics down into bite-sized ideas that other people can now understand. Talked about that yesterday after we were serving lunch at JBQ with uh, Sister Evelyn. We said, you know what? If people are more confused after talking to you, you do not have the gift of teaching. (laughs) And that's okay. We're not going to put you down for it. We're just not going to let you teach other people. (laughs) You know, like assessment. How did your community group go? I know less now than before I began. You don't get to do another round. You know, so, all right. So we're talking about how does everybody participate? Let's look at this in your note sheet there from the text. And then we have some more explanation as a church that I need to get to in 20 minutes. All right, the church God blesses grows evangelistically, right? So we see that in scripture. This is Pastor Josh, as I mentioned. His passion for evangelism is undeniably contagious. It said there are those who've been scattered by persecution who spread the word only among Jews. The persecution of the church, the scattering of the believers was a built-in opportunity for evangelism because they were going to meet new people. You know, when you change neighborhoods, when you move to a new city, you have a built-in opportunity to talk to people. And the truth is, some of us are Norwegian and we don't want to talk to anybody. I tried to say we because it sounds nicer than saying you. But then there are people who just, they've never met a stranger. 
They're just like, oh, that's like Kennedy. She, our, our 11-year-old, she just, she just, anyone is a friend to her. She'd just talk and share things. I'm like, hey, babe, can you, can you not, like, give our address to strangers? You know what I mean? Like, but she was just the one that, you know, one day uh, she had climbed in the back of the UPS truck in our driveway. And my wife was like, hey, um, babe, stranger danger. And Kennedy was like, mom, he's not a stranger. He's here every day. <laughs> she might have had a point. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, but then there are people, it says, verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyrus and Cyrene went and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. You know what we didn't read in this passage? That one group of people was more saved than the other group. We don't read that the, the people from Cyprus and Cyrene spent all their time putting down the people that only talked to the Jews. We need both to see the kingdom of God advance. We all have a choice. Now, I think we need to decide, will we say something or will we stay silent? Now, Pastor Josh is loud about everything. He's loud about encouraging during the sermon, although he's up in middle school service now. He's loud about the Vikings. He's loud about Jesus. He's loud about Jesus in Costco. <laughs> Took him to put him on the church membership so he could buy stuff for the youth ministry. And he walked around Costco holding his membership card like through the aisles. He's like, it's my first day here at Costco. I'm new, I'm a pastor at Celebration. And I was just like trying to walk like I'm not with him, you know? I'm like, Josh, you're embarrassing me, you know? We're going through at the uh, checkout line. They're faking counting how many things are in our cart and drawing the line. I'm sorry if that's your job, but I'm just saying they, they don't know. They don't know. And Pastor Josh, he takes his card, looks right at the person, looking, trying to do his job. Bless this man's heart. He's just trying to do his job. And Pastor Josh is like, I'm a new pastor at Celebration Church. Do you have a church to go to? And the guy was like, oh, 17, and I, what not? And, and Josh was like, when's the last time you've been to church? And I was like, what are you doing? And the guy was like, I don't go to church anymore. Pastor Josh was like, why not? I go to a good church, you come to this church. And the guy said, well, last time I went to church, they dipped my hand in the holy water and it burned my hand. He's like, I don't even know theologically what that means. Pastor Josh said, you know what that means, right? It means you're not saved. You need to come to our church, we'll get you saved. That's Pastor Josh, right? He's just. But I don't know if you've noticed, when we celebrate people who are passionate about things, wired for things, all of a sudden it can lift the tide in all places. I'm not saying, I'm definitely not saying it's only because since they've been with us in January, but since the new year coincided with when they've come, we've seen this increase across the house about passion for evangelism. But you don't have to be loud to be passionate about evangelism. Mentioned in the first service, Pastor Josh was sitting over here, another man over here, David Entler, who uh, is a... Uh, CPA, finance, and he's very quiet. He's very Norwegian in that regard. And yet very passionate about every week, engaging with people about new faith in Jesus Christ. So it's something to celebrate. And by the way, that's how the church really grows. Not just when somebody moves to a new town, not just when somebody changed churches. The big C church only grows when people are saved. Therefore, we should not put down someone who's passionate evangelistically. Number two, the church God blesses operates apostolically. 
Let me explain this to you. Verses 22 and 25, the Bible says, news of this blessing of God, growth in the church, reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And then when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, operating apostolically. They looked for leadership to come and help give them structure, to give them training, to give them oversight. Whatever words you want, they recognized that God was doing something, that they needed some assistance in order to maintain or steward the move of God that they were in. Now, in that group, as I mentioned, uh, I would operate in this realm more than the other pastors that were in the room at that time. Now, again, it's also based upon the moment you're in or the season. Like in your home, you might be more apostolically leading than when you're in a situation at work. So there's, there's differences in moments. And that's why I think we should not get caught up in what office or what title we hold, but what gift we're in in the moment that God has us in. All right, let me give you an example. They called Barnabas and Saul because they needed some leadership. Um, I had LASIK eye surgery a few years ago, and now my eyesight is pretty good. But before that, I had worn glasses or contacts for my whole life. I was nearsighted. So I could read a menu or a book if it was up close, uh, but I could not see far away. I couldn't see something on the TV. I couldn't read a road sign as we were driving. I mean, I could because I wore glasses, you know, but I'm just saying like without the help of prescription, um, I was nearsighted. My dad was the opposite. My dad still to this day has great farsightedness. He can read anything a long way away, but up close he has to use readers, They're not cheaters, by the way. That's not a good description to give yourself. They're readers. If you need the help, take it. You don't have to cheat. Just read. Okay, anyway, that'll help somebody later. You know, I'm just saying like, I've never heard a description like in your business, in your marriage. Oh, it's cheaters. Like, no, 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 no. Readers, okay? This, just, that's free. We're not doing another offering. That's just help you today with that. Can you imagine how crazy it would be for me to mock my dad for not being able to read up close or my dad mocking me for not being able to read farther away. Neither one is better or worse. They're just different. And yet when it comes to gifts in the church, when it comes to how God made each of us uniquely and individually made, why is it that we feel the need to put somebody else down because they're weak where we're strong and we're strong where they're weak? Now, by the way, we do this beyond the area of gifts. We do it in matters of sin as well. We love to tell other people about areas of sin in their life that we don't struggle with at all. And then in areas that we struggle with, we're like, well, we're just a work in progress, right? Okay, that wasn't in my notes. That also was free. But why is it that we want to put other gifts down? We we don't want to put other, we don't want to critique the way God wired somebody else and made somebody else. We want to celebrate those things. I remember... Uh, that it happened. I don't remember when it happened because it's a detail and I forget those, but I, there was, it was a while ago. I don't know if it was months or uh, a year. I'm not really sure when anymore, Jack. I just know the point of what I'm about to say. Because um, I, I operate like opposite when it comes to life. I'm, I'm better at the big picture, visionary stuff. And like when it comes to individual details, two connect lunches ago, I was supposed to bring our girls home and I forgot them here at church. Because that was a detail, right? And because normally my wife is the single parent on Sunday. And so I just, I do the pastor thing. And then, but she took our son to football. And that meant I was supposed to take the girls home from Connect Lunch. And I forgot. I talked about the vision of the church and the structure. And I'm pretty sure it was awesome sermons, but I couldn't remember to bring my own girls home. Pulled in the start of our neighborhood 
And our daughter called me on the phone and said, Dad, did you forget us? And I said, no, but I definitely left you there. And I turned around and I came back and I picked him up. So all that to say, I don't know when this shift happened, but our staff came to me a while ago, led by my wife. They were like, you tell him. And she said, we have decided that you should not come to all the meetings anymore in the office. And I said, what do you mean we've decided? You can't decide something. I'm the pastor. They said, well, we feel like we'll get more done if you don't come to them. Then she softened it a bit more and she said, you hate our meetings. You don't want to talk about the things we want to talk about. And quite honestly, we don't want to talk about the things you want to talk about. See, when you're married to me, you get to say a few more things than the other pastors, you know. Lewis is like, you go for it, Dana. I'm not, you know, so anyway. And she said, you know, we were talking and it seems like if you start skipping this meeting or that meeting, it'll give you more time to pray or, or prepare. And, and if you'll do what only you can do, then we can do what we can do and together we can do more. And it was in that moment that I realized it wasn't a penalty to say, we don't really want you here. It was actually a gift that said, hey, you know what? Why don't you focus on how you're wired, how God has set you? So for instance, I I said, you know what? We want to have serve night. And then quite honestly, I'm going to show up on Sunday night, May 21st and be as surprised as you are as to what's going to happen. In the video, I found out it's called the ultimate, ultimate game show. I don't know why we're repeating the name. If they had asked me, I'd probably be like, that's weird. But that's why they didn't invite me. (laughs) And that's okay. Instead of criticizing, you know, think about this in your life, even in your home. We would never think to force each of our kids to be the same way. We understand they're uniquely crafted, gifted, wired in different ways by God. So why in the world do we expect the children of God to all be the same? All right, number four, three, thank you. And that's why I have notes, okay? Number three, the church God blesses develops pastorally. This was obviously, as I mentioned, Pastor Dan. He says, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. You know, you can't interact with Pastor Dan very long and not be encouraged. He's just a positive guy. He still thinks the Vikings are going to win. It's positive. He's not real good about keeping communion off his Bible, but he's positive. He's so positive, he found a way to compliment spilling something on his Bible. God handed to him. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> but one of the things I love highlighting about Pastor Dan is I mentioned a number of times that he served the Lord in full-time vocational ministry for over four decades now without one scandal or shame attached to his ministry. There's something to be said about that. What do we think? There's a consistency to this pastoral gift. And he challenges us to live in that way as well. If there comes to a time which says, oh, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, 
sat with them, he encouraged them all. If you need encouragement, the odds are Pastor Dan might be more encouraging to you than me. I say might, because you might've caught me on one moment where I was just like, way to go. <laughs> but overall, I don't wake up thinking, who can I give a thumbs up to today? Like, this is important. We've had to like add this to the onboarding for employees here and tell them explicitly, if you get paid on Friday, pastor thinks you're doing great. <laughs> no, I mean it. Cause that's just, you just need to know that. Like somebody walked by and they said, I would like to apologize because obviously you have ought against me for something I did because you did not say hi to me this morning. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just walked in. I have no idea. She said, oh, I feel so much better. I said, praise the Lord. You should have asked me a while ago because I had no idea. <laughs> I just, right? So, but Pastor Dan, he's there encouraging, which is why if a random person walks in off the street and they're like, I need to pray with the pastor. They pray with the, answer that please. They pray with the <laughs> Pastor Dan. Because as referenced earlier, I try to avoid one-on-one -on -one meetings at all costs. I feel trapped. I'm like, either you're talking or I'm talking. There's no other option. <laughs> I remember when we moved here, my wife and I, we started going out to dinner with one couple. That's a lot of pressure, just four of us. Now I'm like, we need two couples so I could just sit there and watch the four of you talk. <laughs> right? It's just how we're wired. But now that I've said enough nice things about Pastor Dan, I remind you, this is not about professional five-fold ministry. Oh, we've got Dan to do that because all of us need to help develop other people in some way, shape, or form. That's not something we just delegate to somebody else. As I was talking uh, yesterday with Mariah and well, all the Garrets, but she said, you know, I don't know about that spiritual gift. And here, I think a community group leader has a pastoral bent because you're, you're bringing people together, you're going through life together, and, and you're trying to figure out how can we help other people in the season we're in. But we have to recognize or celebrate, give permission for people to operate differently than us. I'm so grateful that we have opportunity for different people to do different things. And it's so funny, a lot of times people will call in or their email, they'll say, hey, can, can I meet with Pastor Derek? And we're like, oh, okay. And I meet with them and I don't help them at all. Because unless it's like, get to know how you got saved or you're new to the church, like we could talk on a relational level, but sometimes people are like, well, I got a question about the prayer ministry. I'm like, well, don't talk to me. I'm just the pastor. They're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. Talk to Pastor Vicente. Like, well, we'll get you a meeting. This would be phenomenal. They're like, well, I need to know about small groups. I'm like, me too. Let me figure out which pastor's leading that. And we'll get you a meeting. They're like, you don't know? I'm like, is it Pastor David or Pastor Josiah? I said I was going to figure it out in between services, but Amber, who is it? Yeah, okay, David, thank you. Josiah, we have different opinions because they work on things together. So whatever. One was out of the office. I didn't get a chance to ask. Some of you are like, how does he not know that? Because I'm at 30,000 feet and they both do it. Trick question, I think, right? Pastor David? Thank you, Pastor David. You get to be employed next week. All right. I just needed somebody to affirm me because I was floundering. I didn't know what the answer was. Can't get no help around here. Um, but aren't you glad that different people have different gifts and they can get different things done? 
Like in our marriage, in the Ross household, Dana's in charge of some stuff and I'm in charge of the stuff she's not in charge of. That's how it works. So like I'm in charge of the dishes and garbage. She's in charge of the kids. Listen, 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 don't judge our marriage. We're happily married coming up on 17 years. Don't throw stones, it's working for us. Trying to give you an example. So what does that mean? It means my wife in our, in our house, it's not a male, female stereotype. It's not a male, I'm just saying in our house, I'm not wired to come home from work and go, I wonder how my kids felt about their school day. Just being honest. I'm like, did I pay the mortgage? Are the utilities on? Did you get food? That's how I'm wired. My wife, on the other hand, she's like, all day, how did they feel? Did a teacher say something nice or not nice? Did a kid pick on him on the bus? I'm like, it'll make him tougher. Who cares? <laughs> so what I'm saying is I don't come home wondering. And what we do in our family is if a kid had a tough day or a great day, she'll, we do highs and lows at the dinner table, but she'll pull me aside and she'll say, hey, Lincoln needs a few minutes with you. There was a t- and, I, and all of a sudden, I care. I just don't think to care in advance. Once I'm told I need to care, I'm all in. Like I'm here. If my kid had a tough, but I didn't come home wondering how his day went. But once I know he needs dad, or once I know Madison needs, Kennedy, I didn't want to like say one kid and not the other. So I was just feeling that guilt in a moment, you know, <laughs> So you just got to know how you, your spouse, or your co you just got to know how you're wired. And instead of putting the other person down, celebrate the strengths and cover the weaknesses. Not to talk so much about my weaknesses, but when we got married, my wife thought all husbands know how to fix stuff around the house. She was wrong. (laughs) We don't all know how to fix stuff. So now because her parents live in the same town, she can call him again and he can still fix everything in her life. (laughs) She gave up a long time ago about asking me to fix stuff. We do weird things. I do dishes, she does yard work. She says she doesn't like it, but I always throw my back out. So we just, I'm not even preaching anymore. I'm just gonna go back. Enough about me and let's get back to somebody else. I don't need to say anything else bad about me. Some of you are like, we are just not impressed. That's okay. I'm married. Don't need to impress you. All right. Here's number four. (laughs) Number four. The church God blesses teaches instructionally. Says, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This was in that meeting, Pastor David. Also happened, uh, Pastor Josiah, but he wasn't there, so he doesn't get to be in it. Okay. Uh, Pastor David was there, and he had shared his testimony a couple weeks back, right? He's a logical thinker. Things needed to make sense. A systematic in his approach to learning and training other people. He makes these step-by-step plans and packets and brochures, and then he asked me to look at them. He's like, what do you think? And I stare at it for a little bit, trying to buy myself time like I'm reading it. And I think, squirrel. And I'm like, what's, you know, I'm like, looks great. He's like, you didn't flip the page. I'm like, I don't, you know, like, that's just a lot of information, man. I can't be reading all of that. 
I read the table of contents in a book and I learn the whole thing. You know, like, come on. But how many people know we need people who will get some step-by-step and some instructions? <laughs> so Pastor David, Pastor Josiah, they've been working on this first 30. It's step-by-step. What do you do in the first 30 days of giving your life to Jesus Christ? I'm terrible at that conversation. I have no idea what it's like to be the first person in a family to read a Bible. Every day of my life, I remember coming downstairs, seeing my mom or dad or both reading their Bible. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at the age of three and a half. I don't believe there's been a day of my life that if I died, I wouldn't have spent eternity with God in heaven. I don't know what it's like. First 30 days, like explanation of what the Bible is. It's just always been part of my life. I never went to a class. This is a hand. Here's another hand. To me, it's the same thing. This is the Bible. Here's the church. It's just part of my life. And so we need people who can walk us through systematically because I got this 30,000 foot vision about the church. And I admit, I really have no idea about day-to-day stuff. And so we need people who can do that. Teaches instructionally. As I mentioned, uh, Evan and I were talking yesterday. If you don't know how to teach, we don't want you teaching. Uh, Friday night, I was talking with Carol Schultz and uh, she had shared her testimony being healed. And now she's beginning to teach at the Ministry of Reconciliation as well. So we need to think beyond, can you just write a curriculum for use in a church? But can you help other people by explaining things to them? Why? We live in a time where misinformation and confusion rules the day. And candidly, there's not enough hours of sermons that I could preach that could fully combat the amount of information and misinformation that people have access to throughout the week. So we can't rely upon one person trying to communicate the things of God to other people. We need people, men and women full of faith and the Holy Spirit who will teach instructionally in these days where biblical literacy is at an all-time low in our nation. All right, number five. The church God blesses speaks prophetically. Verses 27 and following. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, whose parents didn't like him, stood up. I'm just saying, like, we don't have an Agabus here today, right? I'm just saying, if we do, we love you, but your parents didn't. That's why they named you Agabus. Like, that's terrible. You're, you want your kid to get beat up at school if you name him Agabus. That's not, but again, if that's you, we do love you, but... Anyway, okay, back to the Bible. Um, One of them named Agabus stood up through the spirit and predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. I think in the group we were in, it was clear to me that this was Pastor Vicente. There was just nobody else on our staff or for that matter in our church that I trust more to share a prophetic word with me than Pastor Vicente. Now, some of us though, again, we... We think immediately, oh, Pastor Vicente, prophetic, and I got to hear this amazing word from the Lord. And all words from the Lord are amazing, but sometimes they're scary words. This was like bad news is happening. <laughs> if Agabus wasn't like, had a lot of friends on the playground, think about this. His prophetic word was, y'all are going to get hungry. Right. How many people know he wasn't voted most likely to succeed in the yearbook? You know, like nobody wants that guy around, but it takes people who are confident that they've heard from God. Now, I know that there's been a lot of abuse around this idea of prophetic ministry um, for positive prophecies and negative, right? There's positive prophecies that are just like, oh, you're getting a promotion, and then they get laid off. And you're like, well, what's up with that? 
Well, sometimes people have communicated a preference as a prophecy, but it was really just preference. And so when we know it's from God, it's important that we say it, but when it might just be a preference, when it might just be an opinion, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, I feel like maybe, or as I was praying, I felt that. But we ought to be careful with a definitive word because really there's only two things that can happen. Either you're right and you're okay or you're wrong and we need to mark you. (laughs) Feel free to give yourself a little bit of leeway to say, I'm not sure, but maybe. (laughs) Moving right along, okay. (laughs) Um, Right, but um, I believe God still speaks. And just because other people have missed it, just because there's been abuse around it, doesn't mean we should avoid it going forward. And the last thing, on this, and then I'll get to the part that was chapel on Tuesday, is that God blesses, church, the church God blesses responds generously. This is how it all was held together. Verses 29 and 30, the disciples, as each one was able, aren't you glad that we only need to do what we're able to do? If you don't have a million dollars in your bank account, you don't need to give a million dollars. Somebody said amen. I would have thought that would have resonated with a few more people, like newsflash, most of you don't have a million dollars in your bank account, it's okay. <laughs> You know, if, if you have no opportunity to help somebody else, you don't need to feel guilt or condemnation for not helping. Like if you need to keep your own lights on before you can help, so that's okay. This, this, you've got to do everything for everybody else. That's not true. As they were able, they decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. I couldn't think of a verse in this passage. It was nice because he had stepped out of the room and he came back in, like I said, that describes Pastor Lewis Moore, helping in different areas, waking up. He's like the Swiss army knife of our church. And, uh, but you know, you need people like that. For, for us, that's our middle child. That's uh, sometimes the middle children always get stuck into that. But when our middle child is having a bad day, almost everybody's having a bad day. Because the other kids are used to the, that middle child giving in. And when she's like, no. We're like, this is going to be a good time for everybody to have quiet learning on their own, you know? So we need people who are multi-talented, multi-skilled, and willing to help in this way or do another, right? We, we talked about that uh, yesterday at the Garrett table as well with Dennis. And so I'm so thankful for Pastor Lewis, other people who will operate in ministry, gift of helps, and helping out in different things. So whatever it is, and I want to get to this teaching on the screen, um, if it's acts of service, do them. If it's an offering, give it. If it's a word of encouragement, don't withhold it. Like whatever it is, I believe the church that God blesses, it's held together. All of those five-fold ministry gifts are held together when we live generously, which I always remind you is way more than just what you give in an offering. Okay, so practically now for the next number of minutes, uh, and then I'll pray and be dismissed. They told me I could do that. Um, we have a meeting on Thursday at 11 where we get told what we're doing in the service. And this time they said, you're going to preach and you're going to close the service. So I said, okay. <laughs> they said, you're going to preach too long to have somebody else come up and close. And so that's, they were right. Um, so <laughs> as I remind you, we're, we're going to celebrate our differences, not criticize them. So you're going to take that assessment at some point today, this week, and see how you're wired to those. And some of you, it may be like, oh, I've always thought that or felt that. If you're like, that's nothing like me. Take it again when you're feeling differently, you know, because some people really analyze questions like me. I try to help everybody rewrite the test that they wrote. That's interesting. I did that with Minnesota with their driving tests. I, I still think they have one wrong, but Minnesota DOT didn't ask me, but it's, they're still wrong. So anyway, uh, 
But we're thankful to God for the different parts of the body of Christ here at Celebration to do things differently than somebody else. And we're committed to cooperation instead of competition. So what, I'm not done, but that's fine. You can play as much as you want. Um, No, no, that's fine. Uh, Probably about 15 minutes, just so you guys know where we're at in in this coming up. So um, Cane's and Cheesecake Factory, both good places. Very different menus, right? Cane's has four things. Three of them are the same. (laughs) Three-piece meal, four-piece meal, six-piece meal, (laughs) or chicken sandwich, which is two pieces in between the bread. (laughs) So if you struggle with making decisions, Cane's is for you. You can't go wrong. Just pick one. It's all the same. And if you struggle with making decisions, Cheesecake Factory, you might starve to death. They got like 20 pages of menu, both in business, both successful. I think I haven't checked like their stock or whatever, but just work with the illustration people. (laughs) But you need to know what type of restaurant you're going to or you'll be frustrated when you look at the menu. If you go to Cane's and you're like, I wanna get a salad. Number one, why? You could just fast, you know what I'm saying? Do they sell a chicken salad? Oh, okay, I'm like, don't, don't, just anyway. Coleslaw, that's your salad, enjoy it. Right, but if you go to Cheesecake Factory and you're bad at making decisions, you'll never pick, because it all looks good. You're like, oh, the burger looks good. Which kind of burger? They got a page of burgers. Then you flip it and you're like, oh, pasta, that looks good. No. The next one, oh, salads, that, skip it. Just kidding, just kidding. Right, so you just gotta know. So, so, so maybe you're here, maybe you've been here for a while, maybe you're newer here. Let me just give you some explanation of the style of church that celebration is. I give you a summary. We're more Cheesecake Factory than we are Canes. There's a lot of options. I don't really care what you order. Just gotta pick something. And if you don't pick something, you can be hungry. That's also an option. Like we say this every time at Connect Lunch, we're like, this church is big enough for you to stay anonymous if you want to. You can show up late, you can leave early, you can never talk to anybody else. You're welcome to that. But it's also big enough that you can eventually find somebody that you like enough to have a relationship with. Now you might meet some people that you're like, I don't like them, that's fine. I don't like everybody either. I know some of you are like, I can't believe you said it. It's true. I love everyone. But there's a big difference. I'm not going on vacation with everybody here today. I'm trying to look around the room. Probably not going on vacation with anybody here today. Where's my wife? She's here. I'll go with her. No, I can't. That's not you. Sorry, that's not <laughs> She moved seats. Is she even in here right now? Praise the Lord. She came to the first. Oh, you just moved. Thank- thankfully. Okay, I know who I'm married to. Praise- hey, babe. <laughs> wow. The lights are bright. Leave me alone. Like, I'm not going to that meeting. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but she's got to pick something. So here's, here's how we operate. Because it's important. If you come and you're like, oh, I want a lot of step-by-step instructions. Uh, I've met people and they came from a church and they were like, the pastor told them what small group to be in or what ministry. And I'm like, I don't, don't know. 
So you just want to know. So here's how we operate. I believe this helps how the body of Christ can operate, specifically here at Celebration, but I think it can help a lot. We've got a couple guardrails. I, I think they're boundaries, and I believe boundaries are a blessing. Oh, I'm supposed to talk about unity first. That's why they're not putting it up. I'm going to go back to my notes. Unity is not uniformity, but here's where we see unity. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So we're going to talk about where unity is found here in the body of Christ at Celebration. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. So you want to know where the land of blessing is? It's between the two guardrails. So we've got a guardrail here and there. And basically anything between the guardrails, I believe we can live in unity and we can experience the blessing of God. Now we operate as a church here in the state of Minnesota, a registered nonprofit. There is a financial guardrail that's set uh, by the board says, here's what we're going to do. Departments operate in the middle. The church as a whole operates in the middle. Why is that that boundary, that guardrail important? Because if you break financial systems and go bankrupt and close, how many people know you can't help anybody? So I I travel the nation. I try to help these other pastors learn that. You got to figure out, it's not not a lack of spirituality to say, here's where the guardrail is going to be. This boundary, this blessing, it's going to help us stay in here. And, And staff church ministries, we just, all we got to do is keep it out of the ditches, keep it between the guardrails. On the other side, it's a theological guardrail. Guardrail. Now, I put a heart because I didn't know what other picture, you know, you're trying to make something simple, like I don't know if this would be the end result. As I was drawing it on the whiteboard, I just did a heart, and so Pastor David hooked me up with a heart on this. Now I have one. That's funny, by the way. You could have laughed. It's a theological guardrail. And I asked the staff, who sets that? They were like, God. I was like, nope. I mean, kind of, but we're part of the assemblies of God. So it's of God. That's still part of it. But theologically speaking, we have parameters that we say are within the bounds of our agreed upon culture within the fellowship of our churches. And if you step outside, you get in trouble, which is a little weird since I'm the discipline committee, right? But, uh, we want to keep it between the ditches. Now, why do we put those there? It's, it's to help us. And we're a church that focuses, look at how much of the screen is available to us. It's almost all of it. It's kind of like back at the Garden of Eden, right? When God was like, hey, eat from just anything, but just don't go outside the guardrail. Why is it that humans are so prone to listening to the enemy and be like, I wonder what it's like out there. You know what it's like out there? It's bad. So we have those guardrails. So we're just gonna keep it between the guardrails. The second thing that we see is an umbrella. And it's a covering. And I just wanna say covering is a choice. This is gonna freak somebody out when I say this, but you don't have to be here. It's not like last time I checked, nobody's here mandated by the court that they can only attend Celebration Church. So we choose to be part of this church, but don't think of this covering. I mean, there's there, like you can step outside and that's where danger comes. But this isn't about Pastor Derek being your boss. Let me just explain what our coverings are. They're they're shared commitments that we have no matter where we are between the ditches. Let me just give you three quick ones because I'm well long over time. I mean, I'm still, anyway. Experiencing the presence of God. Wherever you find yourself, we're committed to that. Whether it's a small group, a serve team, a morning service, help, like we just, we're committed to experiencing the presence of God. There's no ministry that gets to say, oh, well, we're not into that. Here's another one. 
Prayer. It's not like, oh, well, prayer is just for some people. No, prayer's for everybody. That's part of this. Prayer is one of our coverings. If you noticed, none of these five-fold ministry gifts are those are the people who pray and nobody else prays. No, 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 that's everybody. We're all in that covering. We're, and we're all in trouble if we stop praying. This is why, yes, we have prayer groups and I'll get to some of that in a second, but, but we all need to be people of prayer. Here's another one, missions. We call it kingdom builders. But wherever you are, we're like, we're all in on those who've never heard hearing. We're all about bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to those who've never heard. It doesn't matter, which here's the third picture, let's put it up there, it's called passion lanes. So we need some people who are passionate about kids ministry. Two people in the room were, but that's okay. (laughs) The rest of them are serving in kids ministry. (laughs) How many people know we need people who are passionate about serving kids and not just obligated to it? There might be another passion lane of prayer counseling and deliverance. We need people who are passionate about it, who wake up every morning. They're like, we need to meet with people. We got to help them get freedom. We got another passion lane. What about evangelism? We need people who every week are like, this is who I talk to today. Why? Because passion's contagious. You know, we need people who are passionate about musical worship. Because you don't want me leading. I mean, I'm like, I'm passionate, but not real good. We need people. You see what I'm saying? And, and I call these passion lanes. And here's the great thing at Celebration. You get to pick your passion lane. So some people are like, well, where do you want me, Pastor? I'm like, where are you passionate? I don't want to talk you in to something. Because then later you'll be like, I don't even like this. And I would have wished we never had to start it. In your life, like who, what are you passionate about? So pick your, and then this is, I say it lovingly, all this will help getting things out there in the atmosphere for everybody. Stay in your lane. You ever been driving on 35 and seen like a group of teenagers think like they're filming Fast and Furious 24? They're lowered, they got the neon lights and you know, there's two things happening in that moment. Almost accidents and people getting one way to heaven. (laughs) For over there. (laughs) It's not safe when there's other people on the freeway to just change lanes willy-nilly. So pick your lane. No lane is better or worse than the other. I don't know if you noticed this, the whole road, we're going to the same spot. Some lanes move faster than others. Some have different passions. And it's okay if you want to change lanes, but let me just say this slowly. Put your blinker on. Let somebody know, right? Because we all have blind spots. So put your blinker on, tell somebody, talk with it, right? But this is important to know how we're gonna operate. Well, that's what, we're gonna keep it between the ditches. We're gonna remain committed to some overarching things in our church. And other than that, it's okay. 
I was talking to somebody, they're like, we need everybody to be passionate about this. I'm like, no, we don't. We need you to be passionate about what you're passionate about and somebody else to be passionate about what they're passionate about. Because here's what I know. I can fake being passionate about what you care about for a little bit. But eventually, I'm like, forget it. And what we're not going to allow is this lane criticizing that lane. That's where guardrails come into play. You want to you know how do you get a meeting? That's one where we're like, hey, don't be putting somebody else down. Like you love prayer ministry, pray all the time. You love missions, go on every trip. But don't put other people down that didn't sign up. What are we doing? You love kids? We really need you, you know? <laughs> Passion lanes. Let's, it's how God wired us. Not what I want you to do. It's what are you passionate about? Find people that are going the same speed in your life. On that topic, what is it? Right, so, so it's, it's, it's an it's a arena where you can come and say, this is what I really care about. And so we're trying to get better about explaining that to people as they come in. Because sometimes I'm like, hey, that's awesome. We'll help you do that. And they think I mean something that I don't mean. They think when I'm like, oh, we'll help you with that. They think I'll make that the only lane of the church. And the truth is, we won't. And right now, five-sixths of you, how many lanes do we have? Should be happy that there's six lanes. The bummer is when it becomes your passion lane and you're like, oh, I wish more people were passionate about this. Well, the good news is we have a shared commitment of prayer so you can pray to God about it and ask him to make other people passionate, but don't put them down in their lane. I don't think we need churches putting other churches down because they're going a different way. We don't need Christians putting other people down. We sure don't need pastors putting other pastors down, right? But let's go for it, for the things of God. Let's go on the journey together. Let's be passionate about what God has tasked us to do and say one day we're gonna get there, but our goal is to get there together. I wanna pray for us before we leave as I know our time is gone. I wanna pray for a spirit of unity um, because I, the word says that that's where the Lord commands his blessing. You know, I'm all for the blessing of God, but I believe that's a byproduct when people are unified. And, and I, I wanna pray for us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we get ready to go? Uh, would you open your hands toward heaven? I'm just gonna ask for the Lord to deposit in each and every one of us, even those watching online, those here, that we'd be blessed with a spirit of unity as we're on this journey together, going from here to there, where we are to where God wants us to be. I'm just praying that each of us would step into everything that God has for us. So Father, I'm asking for your children today, these men and women, young and old. I ask that a spirit of unity would be a defining characteristic of this body of believers. I pray nationally for your church that unity would spread like wildfire. Instead of spending time debating differences, we just be at work for your kingdom, telling those who've never heard. Father, I pray for those, uh, each and every one of us as we go and we review this assessment, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd 
confirm some things that maybe many have felt. Show them ways that they can put it into practice in their life. Even beyond a church ministry, how can they live in that gifting, that wiring that you've placed inside of them? So Father, we can be more effective in your kingdom. Today, I bless your people. I bless them in their coming and their going and their rising up and in their lying down. Ask that you'd continue to be gracious. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.